0: I'm Fathery, this is Dave, and this is Text Trek.
1: Engage! (laughs)
0: Welcome back aboard the Starship, Texas for the 67th installment of the Text Trek podcast where we talk about Star Trek old and new and tonight we are going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 2, sharing our thoughts and feelings on it now that the entire 14 episode season has concluded.
1: The, uh, generally, did you, season 1 or season 2 as your favorite? Uh, I'm going to consider season 2 an improvement. Okay. I, I think that's probably where I land too, although I did not do the big rewatch like you did. And and season one has a lot of standout favorite episodes in it, but I think tonally, uh, and sort of the balance of single episodes versus meta plot stuff, I think I'd probably end up with a little stronger reaction to season two as well.
0: Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna dive into that now that the entire season is in the rearview mirror, we're gonna talk about what we what we like, what we didn't like. We're also going to bring up the uh, wish list that we created right way back before the season even started at the beginning of the year. And, it's time uh,
1: to uh, take the take the tally and see if we got what we wanted. Yeah, see if it if it lived up to our our hopes and expectations.
0: <laughs> but, but before we get into season two of discovery, just have like a little bit of news to talk about the previously announced Star Trek animated show that will be. Uh, airing on Nickelodeon, Mm -hmm. has been officially greenlit. And um, as as stated before, we know that the showrunners are going to be Kevin and Dan Hagman. Uh, These two, uh, I'm assuming brothers... They have uh, credits on the Lego movie and the Lego Ninjago movie. Okay. And they were also showrunners on Guillermo del Toro's Troll Hunter animated series. Hmm. Dave, are you familiar at all with Troll Hunters? Because I didn't know about it until this this news was first brought up uh, a few months ago.
1: Uh, I have not seen it myself. I have one super fast anecdote to relate. Uh, I think I've maybe told you this before. One of my customers uh, at my comic shop that I manage, Rogue's Gallery his his kid uh, was super into it and he has like tattoos on his arms from on both arms from troll hunters so that wow. is my main experience is this guy's tattoos well
0: uh, when when they did say earlier this year that these two guys were in in talks to do an animated Star Trek show mm-hmm. I actually um Watched, watched like the first three or four episodes of Troll Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually some Star Trek connections in there. The uh, protagonist of the show is voiced by the late Anton Yelchin. Oh wow! Who played uh, Chekhov in the the Kelvin timeline movies, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the the troll characters is voiced by Kelsey Grammer. Oh. Who played the captain of the uh, the USS Boseman in, in Star Trek? That's clearly like his most iconic television role that he's ever yeah. he's ever performed. Maybe one day <laughs> he'll stumble into something else. <laughs> yeah, uh, but The Trollhunters was actually pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of modern uh, children's animation. Uh, I, I first of all, I don't really dig the CGI. I, I wish everything would go back to like a two D animated style. Um, that's just what I grew up with, that's like what I'm comfortable with, mm-hmm. stuff from the 80s
1: and 90s. But I know for a fact that you've liked some of the Star Wars stuff, Clone Wars and maybe more so Rebels? Uh, I, I liked Rebels more than, than Clone Wars, okay. but, um,
0: also like the, the Trollhunters, uh, story, it's... So, so yeah, like how was the writing? What's the, what's the vibe? Um, it, it's good, I mean, like all kids shows today, is it, it does get like a little too hammy here and there, like, just like too many... Jokes, that I think, kind of undercut the seriousness of it, but not in a super obnoxious way. Um, I, I I think it would actually be a pretty safe way if if
1: the Star Trek animated show maintained a similar tone. Um, I, th- I think probably the Star Wars or the Clone Wars and Rebels are pretty pretty decent touchstones for people. What what would you how would you say it compares? To I would them? say
0: it's like on the same level as Rebels.
1: Okay, uh, which
0: also annoyed me at times
1: but not, yeah, yeah. not enough to ruin anything right just every once in a while people are a little too flippant and you're like take this shit seriously yeah. people uh, the, the, the reason why
0: i, I bring up the, the the details of the show is because it does
1: star young teenage characters we're talking about now we're getting and, back into star trek here no, I'm talking about Trollhuners. Oh, but we will get to Star but, Trek in a minute. Yes,
0: because that is what this new Star Trek show is going to do. The mm-hmm. uh, official uh, announcement said that it will be a group of lawless teenagers who discover a derelict Starfleet ship and use it to
1: search for adventure, meaning, and salvation. Just real quick, I'm going to guess it's probably a smaller ship. But it would be kind of hilarious if it's like a galaxy Galaxy class.
0: class? Oh, my God.
1: That that is normally uh, occupied by a thousand people. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, how hard can it be? I I remember one episode, uh, Dr. Crusher ran the whole thing herself. Uh, Yeah, but... (laughs) But that was because they were in a weird closing time bubble Yeah, like uh, universe, (laughs) pocket universe bubble. Um, thing. So yes uh, so like on one level that seems like it could be an obnoxious premise a bunch of smart ass kids running a starship um, but I could also see how it could come off alright um, it seems like give them some interesting character arcs um, hopefully put them in some interesting like you know I hope it's not like they're just joyriding. I assume they're going to have <laughs> some sort of focus like uh, they were you know out uh, trying to scavenge because they're in some section of the galaxy that's in pretty, pretty desperate times. They come across this starship and they're like, maybe this is our shot out of here. And they're like, well, you know, but we still need to get out of the, the this section of the galaxy to uh, to a more hospitable place. And it sort of follows them trying to do that. Just anything like that that kind of has like clear arcs and, and isn't just like, ooh, this will be fun. Woo. Yeah. Um, our frequent
0: podcast guest Brian... Mm-hmm. Suggested that perhaps the the ship's computer becomes kind of like a mentor to them, and mm. uh, they basically like learn Starfleet values from the from the ship itself. Huh. I kind of like that. Um, so so there are some pretty cool possibilities. Uh, I'm still not 100 percent sold on it, but I am very curious, and I can't fault Alex Kurtzman for trying to make a Star Trek show for kids. If you go to any Star Trek conventions for like the last. Ten years, probably like the the fan base is uh, definitely like getting older, and we we need
1: some some young blood in there. What's interesting to me is like I I so think of Star Trek as being somewhat removed from kids' lives that I assume that even like dis- almost all disco fans are like twenty and up. Yeah, but like both of us got into Star Trek as kids. Yeah, it's true, but like but like it was because like my brother got into it and, and it was like still it was more in the pop culture then. Uh, I feel like uh, the, I guess it, the Abrams movies have kind of pushed it back a little bit but I guess maybe there's just so much competition now that you know where it's like the the two poles of sci-fi action adventure uh, in the 80s and 70s and, and even the 90s were still Star Wars and Star Trek. Even since then there's you know been Galactica and uh, what do Doctor you
0: Doctor Who it? has made a, a huge Doctor resurgence.
1: Who, the little blip that was Babylon 5 but beloved by fans. Um, but 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 yeah, Trek doesn't, like, occupy the sort of prominent space it once did. So I'm like, will kids even tune into this? Uh, like, will they even care uh, to, like, try it out? That's that's That would be my big question. Um, and, and I think they've got to have, like, kind of a, a badass opening episode or, you know, some pretty cool stuff like that. I do think that... Um, like, I, I want to see him visit some of the familiar places. I want to go see him go to a planet that's, like, got a, a Gorn settlement on it. Or, you know, some of those... We don't even know what era it's going to be doing.
0: Yeah, we don't know. This could be, like, a thousand years in the
1: future, like, Discovery now, for all we know. But I bet more likely it's either TOS or next-gen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm curious. What, or it could be a time period we've never seen before. Yeah, that's true. Uh, for all I know, it's, like, back in Enterprise era when it's, like, really, like... you know, frontiers-y out there. When
0: Starfleet is really new, I don't know how many derelict Starfleet ships are going to be floating around out there, so I I think that's the least likely. I feel like
1: uh, in TOS, though, I did see there were a lot of derelicts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's 100 years after
1: Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. But there was a lot of them that came from the past, though. They're always finding... Oh, like like the Botany Bay? Yeah, they always find some old Mm -hmm. ship or probe. (laughs) <laughs> uh but yes uh, i i generally agree like I, I, but but my money if i had to put money on it i'm gonna say it's either gonna be next gen era um or or tos
0: i think those are both pretty likely however i can see it being further in the future because it being like a derelict starfleet ship and being like a group of lawless teenagers it does kind of sound like it might be like at some point in the future where where things haven't worked out too well for the federation yeah and, and the the galaxies become like a little bit more lawless in general, and you have abandoned ships because mm-hmm. Starfleet has scaled back or maybe disappeared.
1: I don't know. I think I think that's also a possibility. I could see that. Uh, I could even see them setting it in the same time period, if not the same locales as the hashtag Picard show. Um, uh, I, I think you know, I'd like be, Patrick Stewart have cameos because he does a lot of voice work. I mean, that would be kind of cool. It would give the show. It would it would make it feel more meaningful to fans if he just helped, even if he was just there to kind of kick it off and show up. Everyone's
0: Jonathan Frakes would definitely do it because he, he he's kind of like the Samuel L. Jackson of Star Trek. Like he'll do anything. Like um, <laughs> him and Marina Certez, like they they loved returning to the franchise. Mm-hmm. I know eventually one or both of them will
1: show up in the Picard show. I wonder if there's any possibility that that yeah that, that actually there will be some a grounding member, uh, like an adult who will actually be on the ship with the kids. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> Marina Sirtis is the dead mother, has Troy to these little hooligans, uh, whipping them into shape, and probably doing some cool-ass shit herself. I don't know. I, I'd be down for it if they did it. So I got an idea. Okay.
0: This is, like, one of those, like, um, those theories that I like, generate live as, yeah. as we're recording. It's exciting. What if... The ship is a, a mentor to the kids, like Brian suggested, mm-hmm. but it actually has the memory files of Data. It's set after Data's mm-hmm. death in Star Trek Nemesis, and you have Brent
1: Spiner doing the voice. Oh man, that's like, he's ba- that's basically like having a computer that, that, that talks, that teaches them. Um, it, he's a super well-known voice. Um... I think I like it. I think I think think I I, think I would be down with this.
0: Almost certainly wrong. I, I just pulled that out of my ass just now. Yep. But uh, it would be cool. And Alex, if if you're checking this out, I know uh, Alex Kurtzman probably listens to us based yep. on, on some things that have happened over the years. So, like all our fan mail. So Alex, you can have that one. That one's yours. That's
1: neat. I normally don't advocate doing things for exposure because it could hurt other professionals. But in this one case, <laughs> I will allow for it.
0: <laughs> but uh
1: we, we will definitely be keeping up
0: with what i'm gonna call hashtag nick trek okay that's uh from from dr trek larry nimmin has come up with that but like we have we have hashtag picard show now we have hashtag nick trek um so we'll we'll report if there's there's any additional news i don't think we'll actually see the show until 2021 maybe late 2020 but uh, I, I think it's going to be at least a, at least a year and a half before this is actually on the air. So I hope the CG is good. Yeah, I
1: definitely wanted to have like a good animation style. By the way, I'm gonna think of it as uh, uh, West Side Story style because they're hooligans. So I'm gonna call it Trek Side Story.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. so that's that's where yeah, my lawless. T- but then it has to be is. a musical.
1: Um, I mean, I would honestly be on board that. <laughs> but <laughs> well, um, that's
0: gonna be interesting. If that uh, if, if that fits into the the canon somehow but... kids love
1: musicals i'm sure they'd be all over it actually they do like disney movies <laughs> and those are all musicals
0: yeah no, well well we'll see but yeah a uh, hashtag nick Trek.
1: but shall we move on to our uh to the real reason we've gathered today yes
0: so star trek discovery season two mm-hmm. uh Dave, I'd like to ask just what were some of the highlights of the season for you? What
1: what, what are the moments that really stood out? I'm gonna I'm gonna consult my uh, my phone, my pad uh, here, and uh, like I think just like uh, almost first and foremost in everybody's mind has to be just Pike himself, right? Pike's presence. Uh, uh, what's his ensign mount? Yes, as Christopher Pike. Uh, but. Uh, some of my, some of my favorite moments, just, just kind of as I'm skimming through some, a few notes I made, uh, the return of the Talosians and vena was, was a big one for me. Um, let's see, uh, uh, Burnham's mom and, uh, the very intense kind of, uh, interactions between she and, uh, between, between the two of them. Uh, yeah, those,
0: those performances were so great. And, uh, Perpetual Infinity.
1: Yes, uh, that was wait, Perpetual Infinity, that was the one that had the spotlight spotlighted them. Yeah. Yeah. Was... Among my favorite episodes in there. Uh on the cool on the coolness front from uh Sound of Thunder, uh was seeing Saru get to kind of finally get some payback on the Baul and uh and uh release uh, drop his ganglia, as we like to say. Yeah,
0: and and flex his his Kelpian strength.
1: Yeah, uh, totally. Um <laughs> Uh, and overall, I actually really liked the evolving Spock-Burnham relationship, which I felt like, in a show that sometimes isn't as organic as I'd like to be with their relationships, I actually felt that one developed very organically and nicely. So those were some of my big, big, just off the top of my head moments. Yeah,
0: the, the brother-sister dynamic had a great arc to mm-hmm. it. Um, it ended in a very different place from where it began, and it felt like it got there naturally. Mm-hmm. You can it also follow that, that evolution.
1: Spock's, uh, it showed us something we hadn't seen before with a Spock who was kind of really frazzled and on the edge where we could actually see him. Well, it was, we
0: have seen that
1: moments uh, in, that's in true. TOS. It was a somewhat persistent snippiness. Like he was, he was pissed and like, it was like simmering below there. Like we hadn't seen it like for like two or three episodes. He was kind of like that. Um, it was
0: similar to how he talked to Dr.
1: McCoy, but like dialed up to 11 right right. And uh, yeah so and we actually got to see you know what would lead, like he would later attribute like how, how, how Burnham grounded him. and we actually saw that process happen over the course of time.
0: Yeah and, and what I love about that is from what I know about Spock from all the other hundreds of hours of Star mm-hmm. Trek that's out there, that is to me how I think resentful Spock would come off. Yeah, And I, I do think it's kind of weird in recent years they've made a bigger deal out of the Vulcan characters and Star Trek being a lot more emotional compared right. to especially like the original series where they, they establish Spock has emotions but they don't really give you a glimpse of it that often. So it's kind of more special when they show it. But keep <clears> in mind, <throat> mind that, that modern Star Trek does like to make Vulcans a bit more emotional. Um, I, I, I was satisfied with uh, the the Spock Burnham relationship and w- when he he shows how much he does love and care about his sister when he was willing to go with her into
1: the unknown into into the wormhole at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, it's um it's kind of like one of the things I I didn't like and I'll maybe touch more on it later. But I, I didn't like them trying to force Uh Culber and Stamets back together after kind of artificially pulling them apart. I felt like they were almost artificially put back together. Um. And I knew it was going to end up there. Well, of course, I also knew that Spock was likely to reconcile with Burnham. But I found that journey much more satisfying. And I thought they just, like, the actors did a great job and the writers did a great job. Uh, maybe a few missteps here and there. But by and large, it was something that I really liked about this season.
0: Cool. Well, I'm going to go over some of my highlights. And yep. then if you have any more negatives, like the one you were just kind of getting into at the end there with, with Colbert make... and Stamets. Well, we'll Stamets. I have a list. Okay. I have a list. Um, for for me i think the biggest highlight is this was a much more opt consistently optimistic mm. uh year of star trek than what we got in season one yeah uh, i think people who dismissed season one saying it was like too dark and dreary and dreadful and depressing if they go back and actually like hang through it the entire season they get to the end there is a light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. um you can debate the execution of the the season finale and how how well they pull that off but um, i think it it is ultimately a uh positive star trek story in the long run but with season two it it is a a much more consistently optimistic season even though they still have uh, high stakes incredible danger um sad moments but i
1: i it still is that 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 bright roddenberry future Mm -hmm. that uh that kind of enthusiastic exploration sort of thing well when you think about how the two of them start off one start season one starts off with a war season two starts off with exploring yeah, you know, it's just like like the, the keynote address of the first episodes is pretty different.
0: Yeah, the the second season opens with a scientific mystery mm-hmm. that does
1: turn into a big, large scale battle for the the fate of the galaxy. But uh, they, in that they... sense, it like I feels it felt influenced by, by Trek movies very much. You know that there's ultimately got to be some kind <laughs> of big baddie, some showdown, and some some shoot. And I also thought that the, the writing on the show was
0: more focused. While I mm. still have some, some issues with it, um, I, I felt like season one was a little bit of all over the place. Mm. With We, we start off, we're on the Shinjo, then we have this uh, tardigrade monster that uh, goes away, and then we have Harry Mudd show up a couple times, and then we abandon the whole Klingon war to go to the Mirror Universe. Then we come back and wrap up the Klingon War. Right. Um, it, it, it felt kind of uh, meandering. Whereas season two to me feels more focused. We start on the Red Burst mystery and it leads to control. Um,
1: I, I do think things even kind of fall apart. Even the standalone episodes were all still part of that arc overall. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, what, what did you think fell apart though? The, the the tying arc, it together the uh-huh. arc
0: with with control I, I think had a bunch of, of plot holes and some issues that I've brought up last week and and we can get into more of that here in a bit uh, but but overall I think it was a more focused season mm-hmm. um, and I think a large part of that just came from a more stable writers room there was still some behind the scenes drama on there with showrunners getting uh, fired halfway through the season and that might be why the second half kind of uh, falls apart for me as a, a few little slums. bit. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, season three we have even more stability and a even more focused third season.
1: You know, one of the things I, I liked, even though like I have to squint a little bit to make it work, is that those mysteries did I think get tied together pretty well in the end, uh, as well as the almost maybe to a fault they tried to. <laughs> uh answer all the mysteries that have been bugging fans which is like why isn't the discovery mentioned in the in other shows and why isn't the spore drive used all the time but they also contradict a lot of stuff like
0: within the season like they make a big deal about how the time travel works like a yo-yo you go somewhere and then come back yeah then we see burnham using the same technology to go to like
1: five different points in the past and then go to the future right so it's um this is uh i think i think i mentioned this when we were talking about the final episode that it worked for me i suppose on the same way that uh the lost finale did which is to say lost arguably left any number of sort of open plot threads and had some some contradictions in, in the end but if i felt like it, it emotionally worked and that i saw you know like connections and things that i hadn't seen before that that kind of brought things together at least on a surface level <laughs> in in a in a sort of nice way it's also
0: um that's one thing if you have like several seasons of a show to drop the ball on stuff like that but when you're just doing one you think four, it should be t- tighter? Four, 14 episode season you should be able to do uh, better than than Lost. Mm. A, a show that's notorious for for plot holes and and, right. and uh, unresolved
1: right, right issues. Um I, but I guess like because I still ultimately like Lost to me that's not necessarily a criticism but I think maybe my broader maybe my broader thought about that is that I liked that the episode that the season surprised me as I kind of as I went through it. like when, when, when it all started with the Red burst, I didn't know where it was going to head, and you know I didn't know that it was going to lead to control uh, to seeing Burnham's mom again, to uh, Spock and Burnham having these rise and fall, this rise and fall relationship. I was ex- all of those things were exciting, unexpected sort of things um, and, and I, that was something I really appreciated about it. I stole it from you for a second because mm-hmm. that popped into my head. But uh, the, the only other highlight I
0: was going to mention is just, of
1: course, the
0: familiar elements that they brought back. Mm. Most uh, importantly would be Captain Pike uh, also uh, having Spock on the show. And I was very nervous about having a, a, a third. Like, well, there's been more than three actors that play Spock. But three
1: but kind like, of long running or kind of core yeah, like, versions of Spock.
0: Like having uh, such a, a a large interpretation of such a classic character, I was super nervous about that. Ended up really liking Ethan Peck as Spock. Of course, I loved seeing the uh, Enterprise mm-hmm. um, number one, all all those familiar things, Talos Four. So all of that stuff was a lot of fun. It was kind of the show that I wanted Discovery to be when I heard it was going to be set ten years before the original series. I did want wanted to have those connections. To the original series. I was a big TOS fan myself. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it makes it, you know, if you like the shared universe stuff, it makes it feel more official and it's just, it's cool to see that stuff in the same way it is with the Marvel movies to see the connections between the movies. Um, And I don't know, maybe it makes some fans that are upset about continuity and canon stuff shut up a little bit.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Probably not. Um, Well, some people just like to bitch, but... Uh, but there are legitimate things to bitch about in Discovery Season 2, which yeah. we will get into now, and we'll bring up some of our, our negatives. So, what, yeah. what were some of the, the your okay. big dislikes of the season?
1: Well, uh, like, um, I, I've got some minor ones, like Not Enough Tilly, um, <laughs> uh, that, uh, and you know, I understand that there were other characters that were taken over, Pike and Spock, primarily, but Yeah, the, Mary whatever. Wiseman was also getting married, so she might have I don't care. Yeah. I don't really care about that. Hashtag silly for Tilly. Hashtag broken hearted. <laughs> um, uh, and I think that Leland, for instance, wasn't a super notable villain. Um, not a big issue. There was interesting stuff happening at all times and interesting threats, but kind of a lightweight villain. Yeah,
0: I thought, I thought Control was a lame villain, as I said last week. Uh, we never really get a good explanation for the motivation there. Um, it's as if we're just supposed to assume, oh, super intelligent computer went bad, wants to eradicate organic life. Uh, and it's not even like explained like that even if someone had spelled it out it would still feel so trite and unoriginal and unimaginative that i would be disappointed
1: uh to to terminator basically for you yeah especially when you add in the time travel stuff on top of that i think because it was part of a sort of labyrinthine plot it, it it worked okay for me uh because it was something that kind of slowly gave way to and that like they didn't I guess I didn't frame it often like the Terminator did. Uh, it was it was part of a it was part of a bigger mystery, and so it didn't bug me too much. But it was a disappointment
0: for me because the entire season I was hoping for an explanation of Control's motivations. Yeah. Then when I never got one in the final episode, I was like, oh, it was just basically
1: this is Skynet. Right. Yeah. It's true. Um, and that's that's one of those things is that sometimes the, the series kind of pushes things forward, whether it's sort of an emotional, you know, like like a, like a character uh, relationship and some emotional payoff that might not feel completely earned. Or in this case, a plot point that feels a little bit roughshod um, that, uh, yeah, we don't know if it was because of just just that the writing wasn't quite there, whether it was because of writer's room behind the scenes drama but, for whatever reason yeah there's there's definitely a few dodgy points. I still wondered about like I still felt like I had to work to accept that George Owl was in the position she was <laughs> um really like I mean it really is pretty close to putting Hitler in charge <laughs>
0: yeah and we we've brought this up several times over the course of the season that they have kind of softened the character um the end there her her giggling at at Leyland's death screams did mm-hmm. tend to remind us of her sinister side um you yum yum <laughs> well that was non who said
1: that yeah i know i just that was super weird too uh that that was one of my like i thought it was like one of the cheesiest moments yeah that, it, that um... should be on
0: our negatives list right here uh, one of our complaints yeah
1: that that yum yum which i'm gonna use now in a mocking wave in general on uh, for this podcast uh, also i she thought said that it, like
0: more like like, sexual. Yeah. She, was she was like, like yum,
1: like, yum. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I also thought that Saru's sister leading the fighter squadron was, was a really dopey bit to bring her in.
0: That actually didn't bother me because I didn't the... see that coming, and I liked surprises.
1: I, I, I didn't see it coming either, <laughs> uh, but I thought that was a dumb surprise. I'm like, I would have been happy if she was part of things, but if, like, in, what, the six months or, that have passed, or, like, um, a few months? We don't, we don't know how much time. That... However much it's been, like, it just, her becoming a, a citizen of sort of this broader galactic empire of which she had very little knowledge, uh, and it, becoming a citizen and sort of, or, or a part of that and embracing it in some way, I, I think would be interesting Becoming a fighter pilot that comes in to save him at the end—that's a Star Wars goofy thing. <laughs> that sounds like something that would like, like, Wicked is going to show that up. That might
0: as well have been like Poe
1: Dameron <laughs> yes. in an X-wing. I, I'm a, I, that's how it felt to me. Uh, anyway, mm. um, what else? Uh, what, what, what do you got?
0: Um. So one thing that just really irks me is that they. Did try to address some of the, the big complaints in season one. Uh, they did a wonderful job with some of those. I, I think they really improved things like the, the Klingons. Mm-hmm. Um, make, making the show a little bit like lighter and more optimistic, like I, I was just praising it for. Yep. But it's, it's just kind of frustrating when they still do uh, really weird choices that I don't understand. Like the way that they handled section 31. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll get more into this, uh, later on, but just the way that they, they took like this really cool idea of like the secret society, no, no one knew about in the public and they basically like turned them into a CIA type force that operates, uh, broadly out in the open. Um, it, it, it it is so hard to fit that to the continuity. And I know like a lot of people don't care about that, but.
1: Well, I mean, arguably they did try and, you know, the, the, the final episode was supposed to explain that after the mishaps of control turning loose and all this, that they were going to rein it in and thus make it presumably become closer, start moving towards the underground right. thing. But why was It'll... it
0: even necessary to do that in the first place? They could have told the same story with Section 31. It, I think it actually would have been more effective if they presented Section 31 in the more traditional way that we're used to seeing in uh, Deep Space Nine and on Enterprise. And we know that Section 31 was like that before
1: Discovery. We know that it'll be like that after Discovery. They, would you say, have, I haven't seen it, were they overtly sinister on um, Deep Space Nine? Yes. Now, I think because they, they wanted to launch a show out of this, and I don't know how far, when, when, when they decided to launch a show. But, like, they kind of need them to be... At least to, to have some, I think, basis in like being a good a force for good.
0: Yeah, and if they are just doing this to set up stuff for the show, I kind of get it. But to me, it still seems like a really bizarre choice. Another really bizarre choice, uh, something I mentioned last week. You know, I'm glad they got rid of the holograms on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's actually like better ways they could have done it because they don't explain why other ships
1: aren't using holograms. right. It just seemed but, to be Pike's
0: thing. Uh, but. Okay, cool. I'm glad you addressed that. That bothered a lot of people. Maybe he talked to every
1: single other captain in, the, in Starfleet and said, you should take them off.
0: I like my idea more, just like the holograms are very unsecure communication, so people stop using it. Yeah. Um, you'll want Romulan spying on your communications back to Starfleet HQ. But, okay, get rid of the holograms. Awesome. Why are you gonna add those weird little R two D two robots that we all hated <laughs> on the internet? Oh front? man!
1: So it's just like did we talk about that last last episode? Yeah, yeah. And those things were dumb. Just just dumb showy technology Ooh. that they didn't need. It's just in the same way that we don't need like we don't need every every scientific thing techno babble explained. I would like actually like probably a little bit more, but we don't need it all techno babbled. We don't need to see the, the 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 bolts nuts and bolts of how their repair goes on on their ships.
0: I, I don't even mind seeing that stuff, but I would like to see not a cute that, robot. Yeah, I don't need like a, a you robot didn't want making Be- like like beep boop cute noises. You didn't want
1: BB Eight rolling around like, on the bridge. It like
0: looks at the camera and goes like beep, beep boop 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 <laughs> as it like hovers by. Right,
1: it's like they let like a, like an intern write a scene. <laughs>
0: Or like a Star Wars nerd, right? Yeah, Yeah, that sounds Um, right. So yeah, it's like it's weird that every time like Discovery fixes something, it seems like it it breaks something else. Yeah, It's not that bad. I think they they probably fixed more than they harmed in this season. Um, I don't. don't I've I've seen it mentioned
1: that one of our uh, uh, one of our uh, Twitter uh, respondees mentioned something about like that it was like the best idea they ever had was pushing forward into the far flung future, which they're doing. And it it is true, that will free them to operate, um, you know, to to like have completely a blank slate. Uh, They can still screw things up by just picking things, uh, directions I didn't like. Like, oh, where are the Klingons now? Oh, they picked something dumb. Maybe. Um, But it does mean that they will, they they seem to have trouble with continuity and canon stuff a little bit. And it does mean that they're generally free of that issue.
0: Yeah, and it's more just like how they... Like, the technologies they want to use in this time period that don't, like, it's weird to have holograms, it's weird to have emergency force fields, it's weird to have replicators, even though, like, they call them synthesizers, but they seem to be the same thing as a replicator. A little
1: weird to have that technology that, uh, like, multiple things that are, like, Transformers technology. Oh, yeah. Like, their uh, heavy matter grabber, uh, or dark matter grabber, and also their, uh, what is it, their uh, hallways between ships. (laughs) Yeah. Um nothing horrible about those they just didn't feel super trekky, and i think you should have shown off you could have shown off and been showy with the tech um in other ways that didn't include these like they didn't really add anything
0: like what i would love is if they took the tos technology and found ways to show that off in a cool way to a modern audience
1: like have a tricorder do more stuff you know, like, actually, that, I don't know if they ever really did this, like, but, you know, like, if they were analyzing some weird organism with a tricorder, and then they're like, here, let me show you, and they hit a button or two, and it projected a hologram, and you would have that haptic interface where you could move it around and do stuff with it while, uh, while it was, like, you know, in real time. I, like, a, a fancier tricorder, or just a, you know, more showy tricorder, I think that could be cool.
0: I don't know if I want holograms on my TOS tricorder. Oh but my god, they got do stuff, it on a tricorder. Stuff, stuff
1: like that. Uh, well, what were you thinking of then?
0: I mean, in Enterprise, in the season four episodes in a mirror darkly, where mm-hmm. they have the, for them it was a more advanced future ship, the uh, Defiant from the Tholian Web. Yep. Which went into the mirror universe, went back in time. Mm-hmm. Super dope. And they have the 23rd century phaser used to disintegrate someone which i think for a long time star trek didn't want to have disintegrations because they thought it was kind of a corny special effect to have someone get shot with a phaser and then they like they disappear mm-hmm. uh, so like they they at some point in the 90s they decided like okay like no more disintegrations it seems like right and he's like stop showing it and then when you get to this enterprise episode in 2005 they showed that as like so it came off as like scary and cool and, like oh my god this tos stuff is so advanced yeah. These, these enterprise time period people in the 22nd century are like are like amazed by this stuff. right
1: it was more a way of re-lensing what some of the stuff we already knew in kind of a cool way yeah. yeah i when i when i watched that episode fairly recently i was like man they made the tos ship seem so cool and and threatening uh, that it was awesome um uh what else you got any other uh notables
0: no, like,
1: um... Those are the big guns. Those
0: are, I guess, probably, like, the big gripes I have. Again, I, I don't want to beat it up too
1: much. I really enjoyed season two. Did you... How did but... you feel about, just real quick, about the... Because I touched on this in a previous episode, that, like, science versus faith. We don't... We mainly know that that was the theme because the writers said before the season started that that was going to be a theme. I don't... I don't know if I can critique them too much for not engaging with it more deeply... Uh, when the show never, like, the episode, the show itself never made a promise about that. That was just what the writers said they were playing with.
0: I think that was more of a Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harbert's idea when they Mm -hmm. were showrunners. Mm -hmm. I think after they left, they kind of dropped that. Mm. And I'm glad that they dropped it, because I
1: I really don't want to see that explored that much in Star Trek. It feels like it's hard to explore that. Like, if you're not going to take a side, then it feels limp. And if you are going to take a side then you're either going to, like, like poop on religion, which uh, you and I might be okay with, but it's not I mean, going to be... Star Trek's done it before. It's so, done but... it before, um, but it can, even that could feel a little ham-fisted. It's a Kobayashi-Maru. Yeah. It's, it's a
0: no-one scenario. Yeah.
1: Um, but I did sort of, like... There, there were things that I wanted them to explore in a more traditionally Trek, let's talk about moral quandaries kind of way. Uh, i mentioned the Kelpian thing that... Even though, yes, it makes sense that they, the Kelpians were enslaved, so uh, so evolving them did make sense. But it did forever change, you know, their culture. And, like, I almost wanted them to just talk about that and, like, wonder, oh, is there anything that they left behind, you know? Uh, you know, being thrust into the galaxy as a relatively, you know, like, so quickly, was that difficult for yeah. them? It's not kind of what the show has done in general, so I don't know if we'll tend to see that, but I do find myself missing it a little bit. And it would be
0: hard to do that in the 14-episode format that, they, it is true. that, that they're
1: they going with. One advantage to like a 24 or 26-episode season is that you got that breathing room if you wanted it from back when. Overall, I think I'm glad that they're doing tighter seasons. But um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I want... like. Did you feel like they discussed moral quandaries? Um...
0: Let's see. They, they deal with the, the sphere data, I guess. Mm-hmm. Try... I don't know. There's not really much of a debate going... I, th- I think what you're saying is, like, you want, like, a debate. Yeah. About what's the right thing to do. And they don't really do that. They're more like, okay, here's a problem. What can we do to solve it? And we don't actually see, like, conflicting point of views. Like, we would see most notably on, like, The Next Generation, mm-hmm. where Worf would be like, let's blow it the fuck up. <laughs> and then Dr. Crusher would be like, no, like, let's... Try to do like a more passive way to do that. And then.
1: And Riker would be like, well, Worf may have a point. Riker then...
0: would be like, well, what if we can get in bed with it? <laughs> and then, then Geordi would be like, what if we build a, a cool technology to fix it? Yes. And, and then Picard is like, okay. And he listens to everyone and then like he decides what to do.
1: Yeah. I kind of want, uh, I, I, still sometimes want that. I want the, I, I want to see them struggle with, with something like to that. To be too. fair, there are seven seasons of that with the next yeah. generation and and i don't think it was quite what discovery wants to do i feel like discovery is almost like a more elaborate movie in a lot of ways <laughs> in a way sometimes it's got the dumb stuff from the movies when they force a square peg into a round hole uh to have action and adventure but but it's it's deeper than that and of course it has a more sophisticated plot but i do feel like it reflects movie trek movie style what do you think
0: yeah, I, I say it's fair to call the show cinematic, and not only just like its its look and execution, but also just the, like the the writing and the, the they themes. have kind of
1: the big emotional highs and lows that are trademarks of movies, but not of a standalone episode most of the time. Um, anyway, just something to think about. Um, do we want to do we want to go and look at our wish list and see if we got yeah, so, if Santa brought us what we wanted for <laughs> for uh, Trekmus? If Santa Santa Kurtzman.
0: Delivered. Yes. Uh, so, so these are just things that we we at the time we hoped for in the season. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe some of these you might be like, oh, actually, I didn't want that. What I what I got instead is better. Right. But, um. Do you do you wanna do you wanna
1: go first or should I? Do we, are we gonna alternate? Oh, let's just let's just go through one at a time. Okay, I can go through these pretty quick. Uh, my my first one. This countdown to the to number one was a non sinister starfleet. Um. Well, you did well i don't know did you get that or not uh it's hard for me to say uh, They 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 backed section 31 ultimately i think early on i sort of felt like like cornwell when she was helping him kind of dismantle it was a representative of of starfleet who was clearly doing the right thing but then she felt like almost like a rogue just like the the characters tend to on star trek so I don't i don't know what do you think I would say no, you didn't get that. Yeah, I think I think I might not have. Well, yeah, basically I wanted a, a track that doesn't seem like it's made up of like hawks uh, that was trying to do the right thing even if it was struggling at it. And they were sort of like, we want these red bursts investigated at any cost, even if it's using the Spore Drive. (laughs) They were kind of being a little bit of their usual Starfleet selves. They were also a Starfleet that just came out of the Klingon War, which. Right. You can actually. It's a pretty safe argument for why they were doing what they were doing. We were
0: told it was very devastational, even though we never really feel the that devastation
1: right the, there wasn't like a sad shot panning over uh, dozens of star fl- starships floating around in space with bodies around <laughs> them uh, I guess they only did that in the first episode of the first season the the well we see the 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 Hiawatha
0: wrecked on the asteroid that's true it's but true. other than that we don't see any like
1: um consequences of the war really i wanted more of vice admiral cornwell you did get that one i liked her in the first season i got her all the way up to her death (laughs) spoiler warning um i think that sometimes that she her characterization bounced around a little bit more than i like and she was like went from being a person who seemed kind of morally compromised in the first season but but kind of like had some heart to her and, and and i liked that about her to being the person who was overtly helping uh, Pike investigate Section 31. Willing to sacrifice herself in the end. And it's like much more of a team player.
0: Yeah. I, I wanted her to be tied to Section 31. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted a little bit more explanation on why she was so eager to genocide a planet to win <laughs> a war. Yeah. And I do think that her death does have a type of uh, redemption quality to it. And I was satisfied... With with how that ended for her, even though I think the actual contrivance they created was, was a little lame. Yeah, uh, even when I was rewatching this uh, with with my girlfriend, uh, who's not like super obsessed with the the technology in Star mm-hmm. Trek, um, she's she's a, very much a, a casual fan, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but she even pointed out, like, do they ever explain why they can't just beam her out of this room? Like, it's obvious to people who are familiar with the trappings of Star Trek that, like, oh, yeah, you should be able to, like, beam someone.
1: Yeah, from one point of the ship unless another. Unless you
0: establish a reason why you can't.
1: Right. Yeah, they had one or two other beaming issues, including, arguably, the one with Arium. Yeah. Uh, don't earlier.
0: don't comment and say that that would be site-to-site transport, either. It wouldn't be. You could take her out of that room and straight into a transporter room on the pad. So. Yeah, fool's. Um, Because someone's gonna be like, Scotty said, like, you can't really do sight to sight on a Constitution class
1: ship, but. Yeah, that's not sight to sight. Listen to this man. (laughs) Um, but yes, I think even though they didn't spell it out, that felt some, like, something of a logical progression for her. She went from her kind of, like, hawkish place to trying to redeem herself and be more traditionally Trek heroic, and I, and, and, and did that. You, you did get more Cornwell. Yep. So we're, you're one in one right now? Uh, yep. Uh, this next one I definitely got. Advanced hand-to-hand combat. Uh, yes. A, a phrase I was pulling from the 2009 Abrams movie, um, and, uh, absolutely, most notably, um... It would, would be uh, Control, or Controlland, Control Leland uh, versus Georgiou in some, a really spectacular fight. in uh, What was that episode? We that saw was... it in Perpetual Infinity, and then we yeah. saw it in Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. Yeah. I thought it was a bit of a letdown the second time because I had already sort of seen that. But they were still doing cool flippy they stuff. They did the Inception hallway. So it, it, was, it was neat. It was neat. I sort of wanted Control, even if he wasn't going to be... Uh, directly linked to the Borg to be kind of like the Borg in the sense that you can't do that twice. I think that's kind of cool, but... You wanted him to be able to adapt like the I wanted him to be a, a, a greater threat. I, I honestly, I think I would have liked to have seen Georgiou really break a sweat and be like, oh shit, I am I am outmatched in this. I, I, I want to see her lose her confidence for once so that we knew how bad things were in that last episode. I
0: mean, it kind of looked like that, but then at the end when you see her get on the score
1: cube you're
0: yeah. we like oh that was her plan like she actually wasn't as as um a, a dis- as, as much of a disadvantage as she made it appear right she was trying
1: to just get him into this yeah sport uh, that's, that's 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 classic uh, sort of plot structure stuff I which I was Fine with overall. I think I just I honestly wanted to fear, feel, see her even a little bit more I on mean, the road. Th- there's a lot of moments in there where it looks like, oh my god, he's like kicking her ass. Oh, uh, doesn't okay. I, I hadn't. Uh, I had. I've only seen it the one time, and I, I didn't quite remember that it felt that way. To me, it felt like she was fairly safe, uh, or that's the vibe that I remember from it. Uh, we also saw um, uh, was it Laurel and Ash fighting other like like Klingon assassins yeah, in the uh, episode Point of Light and mm-hmm. uh, we saw we saw um, Saru crushing drones so there, there was there was there was combat throughout this season some hand to hand yeah you definitely got that one uh did I get tra- uh, aliens from Trek's long history uh that's my number seven uh this, this was a thing that a I had
0: on my list I also wanted some classic Trek aliens so yeah we we had uh Linus the Saurian right we had Non the Barzan what's that from uh that was a TNG episode of The Price oh okay that's um, right uh,
1: telosians are the big ones. Yeah,
0: then we have the Talosians. And even though we had Klingons before in Season 1, these are much more traditional Klingons. Mm-hmm. So I would say like we've got like a
1: little bit more classic aliens in the, the Klingons of Season 2 of Discovery. Yep. So I'm going to call that a win. Uh, let's see. This was a big one for me. Uh, I wanted the... En- number six for me was the energy of a synergized bridge crew. Yeah, and before we go into totally.
0: that... That was... That was something that I, I phrased it very differently. I said more from the support characters. Mm-hmm. And we agreed that you if you... Give, Primarily, that's the bridge crew. Yeah, like you kind of have to have both of these things um, to have either of them. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, Pike, uh, like when he got on there and he's like, you know, he was like one of his great scenes when he was like, give me your names or whatever. What, what did he say? Your names? Yeah, it was like roll call.
0: Like, Give me your name. Ranks don't matter. Yeah, skip, that was
1: skip skip the rinks. They don't matter. It was both a super cool Pike moment and it was a super cool crew moment to like kind of let you, the viewer, know that they're going to be paying a little bit more attention to these people. With all of which they did. So Wosikin, um, Arium, Detmer, uh, all of those people got more time, even if it was right before they died. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I feel like that was absolutely fulfilled. Yeah,
0: and even though like these characters don't have as much spotlight as you know like your Stamets or Tilly or Saru. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I, I would say they're handled the same way that, like, Sulu or Chekhov yeah. or Uhura were on the original series.
1: Yeah, yeah, they got some, some, so, some moment. they got plenty of moments. Yeah. Uh, and little bits that reveal bits about their past sometimes.
0: I loved, like, Owosakin being a, a member of the Away team in New Eden. Yeah. Something like as simple as that it was super cool and it felt very Star Trek.
1: Yep, and I liked, uh, non-working close conjunction uh, with Burnham uh, in, uh, what was it, the one with the in, Section 31 base? Uh, Project Daedalus. Project Daedalus. That, I didn't really like Non until that episode
0: because she always kind of seemed like a little incompetent. Yeah. You know, like she had a panic attack having to pilot that, uh, that flyer thing in, oh, in the yeah. first episode of the season. And then when she was like trying to keep an eye on Tyler, mm-hmm. she's just like sitting at a table across <laughs> from his in the mess hall, staring at him like, like it, it, it seemed very weird. And I don't know right. like how effective of a, like a, a
1: monitor she was. She became increasingly be, but, competent yeah, as the season went along.
0: When we saw her in Project Daedalus, uh, when when she's kicking ass, and then when. She is the one who pulls the lever to eject Ariel yeah
1: hardcore when when Michael Burnham like like didn't have the guts to do it, yeah, uh that was so cool, you know what I bet when you were watching that, you bet you were like, "yum, yum <laughs> 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 yes that was that was a that was a notable scene for her and and
0: uh. She... You know, also she's one of the classic Trek aliens that we yeah. wanted to see. Well, I don't know how classic Barzans are. They appeared in one episode, but...
1: She's a, she's, she's, she's a named alien race from the past. At yeah. Least. Uh, my number five is that I wanted better, more memorable music. Um, maybe not a huge spike in that, but I kind of feel I got it. I got it enough that I, there's at least a few occasions where I felt obliged to mention it. I agree. I, just this last
0: week, I rewatched the entire season. Mm-hmm. So I've now seen every episode of Star
1: Trek... At least four times, and that's every episode in all of Star Trek, not just Disco. Yes, Disco, you've seen like twice uh, or three times. No, 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 you said four times. No, yeah, even Disco. That's that's nuts. You're a crazy person. I'm, I'm podcasting with a crazy person. When
0: I when I do this, I watch each episode three times, and then for for, for this episode, I rewatched all fourteen. This man knows his fucking business. <laughs> but. um the music does have some recurring themes that it uses mm-hmm. and you know seeing all the episodes uh back to back like that like i just went through um it is really noticeable and, and there are a lot of moments where it stands out um i, I think it, it could be uh better in some areas it's not as memorable but there's a lot of places where it, it is very impactful and, you know, as I'm watching the episode again for, for like, the fourth time, mm-hmm. and it's like, I, I know, like, okay, the music's about to kick in here, and I'm kind of, like, playing the music in my head, like, before it starts, like, uh-huh. I, I think was like, a sign that, like, you, you really, like, click with the music when, when you do that, whenever you're watching, like, a movie or a TV show you've seen oh, yeah. before. And, uh, like you're it becomes part of it. the
1: tapestry of this yeah. character's lives. The music is as much part of the drama as their acting and the staging of it and all that.
0: Yeah, and there's like they have like a Klingon theme from season one. They kind of turn that into like a lovey-dovey uh, sounding piece of music when Tyler has his last kiss with Burnham. I thought that was a cool way to have some musical continuity. Um, there's like a Spock theme I've mentioned before that they've used several times. Mm-hmm. There is like this like super like ominous music that plays when they're strapping
1: Burnham into the chair on Esau yeah. Four to <laughs> for their messed up uh, bring scare her mom into a, coming to her attempted murder to like make her mom show
0: up. <laughs> yep. So yeah, like the, uh, Jeff Russo has has done a, a a pretty good job with the music in season two. I I like the music okay in season one, and I would say it is even better in
1: season two. I wonder if as they get into the presumably wilder lens of a thousand years in the future, uh, if, if that will prompt, you know, even more, you know, kind of like experiments and like, uh, you know, more unusual things for him to score uh, and where that'll take this take him. I have no way of knowing uh, or if it'll kind of still be more of the same, but um, but uh, I, I'm enthused to hear it. Uh, My number four is I wanted more standalone episodes, or I wanted some standalone episodes. Season one did have a number of them, and I feel like I got them uh, once again. Most notably, I would
0: say uh, New Eden. It felt like it could be in any Star Trek show. Yep. Um, Also, uh, the Sound of Thunder uh, with with
1: Saru's Kelvin Revolution. Yep. Um, A lot of the episodes... I think, I feel like uh, the... uh... I mean, they're ones that had t- a lot of other stuff in there, but If Memory Serves, the uh, Tolosian one... Yes. ...functioned effectively as a standalone episode, even though it, of course, moved Spock and Burnham's story along, too. I think,
0: ultimately, my favorite episode of the season.
1: Uh, yeah, it was it was great. Um, I had a few vying with it. Um, uh, I even, uh, like, uh, was it... Um, the, the Sphere episode, the Obol for Charon... Yeah. Uh, was, ...was also pretty notable. Like, I I remember having a few issues with it, but overall... It was a pretty standalone Star Trekky. Let's try and figure out what this alien intelligence wants of us. Story. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's that's another. I'm going to call that a win. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess this one was not, this next one was not number three for me. I wanted Captain Saru. Uh, did I did I get that <laughs> bits are, and
0: pieces? There are more more moments where he's in command here than in season one. Right. I think there's a lot of times where like Pike is uh down on on teralysium or on borath and so saru's having to do command decision stuff he
1: could he could even be in the cafeteria watching a uh, Colburn and ash have a have a an old-fashioned dust up uh and he let it fly uh it's kind of a command decision that entire
0: last episode was saru's in command of the of the discovery yeah
1: um yeah, he got to he got some great scenes in there where he was he was all business.
0: Yeah. So we got to see him like command a, a battle on mm-hmm. on the ship and he he seems to be commanding them as they follow Burnham into the mm-hmm. unknown future. So, prepare for battle. Um so if, what do you say you you count
1: that as a I'm going to count it. I'd also say that it's one of those that in retrospect I didn't want as much as I thought because I had no idea Pike was going to be so good. So, Pike being kind of the main man throughout most of it is honestly... was was worth it, I think. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I'll, I will say that we got Captain Saru. Maybe not to the degree I wanted, though. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. Um, well, did you or didn't you? No. Okay. Is that <laughs> your final answer? That's my final answer. Is like... because yeah, it was not a big thing in the series. I really wanted to see him making the calls all the time and decisions... You wanted him to, cap- to be the captain? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we knew Pike was... Why didn't you put that on your list? I don't know. Uh, maybe I didn't think... Like, I thought that... I think at the time that... Did we know from the final episode he was going to take over? Yeah, they we... said we, that? We knew this from Not like that the, they were going to be, like, sister ships
0: or something? We knew this from, like, the trailers.
1: Like, we knew this going into the season. Alright, I don't know why I put it. <laughs> um, maybe I wanted Pike to get... Uh, to get... To put in his wheelchair Put in his faster. wheelchair, well... Um but in any case I feel like I didn't get it. Okay. Get. Um pl- number two, almost there, Planet Side Exploration. Um I didn't think that I had gotten too much of this, but you pointed out some stuff that the uh New Eden was the obvious one. That was one hundred percent gave me what I was looking for. And then bits and pieces, I think, in some other episodes. Yeah,
0: also like Talos Four and and Borath for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what was Borath?
0: That's when he has to go into the Klingon monastery, and then he gets down in the caverns to get the time crystal.
1: Yep, yeah, no doubt. Um, But 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 what do you call it? New Eden was the one I most was what I kind of meant, which was I wanted to see them poking around on a planet, trying to figure out what the deal was with its populace and its uh, you know what what mystery there, there was to be solved with it. And there wasn't the other ones tended to be locations, but weren't like planet side exploration in in, in the, the 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 TOS or TNG sense uh, i think i'm still going to count this as a win there's definitely were there were enough of those even if it's uh, burnham going down on the planet where they uh, pull the air out from her or whatever oh yeah on esof 4 yeah um, but but it's just a, a, a slight win on that one and my last one i think i i didn't really get um, i wanted a stable couple like a romantic couple. You got it at the very end of the last episode. Right. So that was a, that was only a pledging really. That was the, the, assuming
0: Stamets survives his injuries. <laughs> I think that's probably a safe
1: bet. It would be messed up if he was just like, yeah, I didn't make it. On how they backpedaled from Colbert's death, I don't think they're going to do that with Stamets. No, no, they, they would not. Um so, yeah, what I, what I wanted to see was a couple that was kind of experiencing the highs and lows of whatever the mysteries and ships were together as a couple. They'd have their ups and downs and all of that stuff. Um, and really, the Colburn-Stamets, it was all about will they or won't they get together, almost as you as if you would if it was like a first date kind of thing. Effectively, it, like it mapped out the same. Um, so, so I did not get what I was looking for there. And there were no other, I think, really comparable couples uh, to speak of. Okay. So you got 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Not bad.
0: Okay, so let's go over my wish list. All right. Uh, my number 10 was I wanted a new opening credit sequence. Mm. And we did get some changes in the opening credits. However, I wanted it to be a more drastic change. Right. I often say I think Star Trek Voyager has the best opening credit sequence out of any Star Trek show. I just love those visuals of, of the ship, of Voyager, um, you know, flying around space, flying around stars, flying around rings of a
1: planet. If and... they don't do that for next season when they're jumping ahead nine hundred fifty years or a thousand years or whatever it is, then then I think they will have really missed it uh, missed the boat but but yeah, you didn't... I mean I've
0: given up on this now. I'm just like, well discovery's gonna have like these variations on a theme th- these opening credits that I don't really care for i like I like the um that they they change it up from season to season
1: yeah and even in the middle but it's of the almost season, like easter eggs more than it is big changes
0: like even even in the middle of season two they changed like the red angel visual we got yep. we, uh, after after the sound of thunder they showed it as like a mechanical suit and not a more ambiguous uh angelic figure but i just i think the visuals are boring i don't like like that earth tone
1: stuff i'd rather it be like a ship flying around
0: amongst stars to me, yeah. that's what Star Trek. There's this more stylized,
1: like. almost like a Bond opening, you know, where they're doing like either you know what would have been like kind of uh, animation back in the day. No, those CG. tend to be exciting. Like, the, like these opening credits aren't exciting. You are saying they... you need more women, like silhouettes of naked women, You're like doing... launching through space? Just
0: have like some color or something. Just, it, to me, it doesn't pop. It's just dull. It comes off as dull
1: and bland. Uh, I I actually think there's a fair amount of color to it, but. Uh, those kind of wispy, like like it almost looks like it's like architectural drawings, kind of coming forming into life uh, as they form ships. There's or time options. crystals floating around in there, which is th- those were in there in season one. You know what I, I I want I want one of those ones that's almost like an old '80s throwback, where you see the characters walking around and it freeze frames on them when they're in like some dramatic pose, and it'll be like so and so as you know, Commander Saru. Uh, I... I <laughs> I don't actually want that. That wouldn't bother me if they did that. I would For the right kind of show, I would want it. I could almost see it for, say, Section 31, which is going to have some emulation of, like, a cop or uh, an espionage gonna be, show. That's going to be a more serious <laughs> show. But... Anyway, so so would you say you, you you didn't get a better? No. Okay, what's next? Uh,
0: next is better ship porn. Yes. No, no, I actually wrote better ship shots, but... Uh, we knew what you meant. Yeah, and, and I definitely got that. There were some awesome visuals of the ships... They didn't show off the ships as much in season one as I would have thought, Uh, and when they did, the lighting in season one uh, was was awkward compared to the rest of Star Trek. It it tended to be very dark, and you couldn't really make out all the little details on the ships.
1: Uh, I've probably made this. I'm sure I've made this comparison before, but there's like I think they wanted a bit of Born Identity style, which is to say it was stylish, and you could tell ships were doing cool things, but it wasn't real like. It was a little bit more cinema verte, like Galactica used to be, uh, where the, the the point wasn't always clarity. The point was to simulate this sense of motion and kind of a wildness. Yeah. But I hate that type of shit. In, yeah, in any movie, in any genre. Yeah, you want you uh, want clarity of action. Yes, block it out. Show me show me what you got.
0: Yeah, um, which I did have some frustrations with, like the big space battle in the last episode. Sometimes I get like too too chaotic and too mm-hmm. too busy and too, like, Michael Bay-ish. Yeah. At times, where it's harder to follow, like, the process of an action. Right. Um, it's just too noisy, Did I you guess. You say, compared to something
1: but, like the fight with the Borg in First Contact or something, where it yeah, was actually all pretty clear. Added. Where they didn't try to put
0: hundreds of, of ships in, right. in the sh- in every shot. But, right. um, But, yeah, but overall, I loved the, I loved the ship visuals. The Discovery and the Enterprise side by side. The Discovery in... Um, New Eden when we see it coming out of that cloud, um, and and Section Thirty One ship was pretty dope. Yeah, and they, they show off the Section Thirty One ship pretty well when we mm-hmm. when we see it um, disengage its holographic camouflage yep. in uh, point of light. So I definitely got like the the ship shots that I wanted. So that was definitely a, a win. Mm-hmm. My number eight. Uh, we already covered this. I wanted more classic Alien, so that was a win. Uh, number seven, more color. Mm-hmm. I definitely got this. The discovery itself is lit better, and I think there's like a little bit more more color on that ship. But especially when we see the Enterprise and yeah. see the colorful Tos style uniforms mm-hmm. of the gold, red, and blue. When we see all the the colors on the the Enterprise bridge. In fact, this kind of This kind of generated a new complaint, because I like that stuff so much, Mm -hmm. that I wish that is what the interior of the Discovery had looked like all along. Yeah. And then they could have had the Enterprise look a little bit closer to TOS-style Enterprise. Right, right. Uh, But I I love the aesthetics that we we got on the the Enterprise. And the the Discovery itself, like Pike's office, Mm -hmm. um, had uh, more color. Um, it had like the, the, uh, warmer colors and it, it, they, with the decor in there kind of tied it into his, his Western roots or Western is in like geographical, not like the genre, but like, right. he's supposed to be from like, like West, the Western States of, mm-hmm. of the United States, uh, Mojave, wherever that is. Right. Um, I assume somewhere in like where the modern day Mojave desert is. Right. Um, and the uh the science lab that they added and what used to be Lorca's ready room looked really cool. So the and I think just like the corridors in that first episode when we see uh Pike and Non and his science officer from the Enterprise walking down the corridors, I feel like there's just like more color, it's brighter, it's lighter. So I definitely got that. So I'll I'll count that as a win. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And then my number six, I certainly did not get. I wanted a covert and shady section 31. Oh. I think the example I gave was I didn't want to see guys standing around on the ship out in the open with black badges <laughs> s- signifying to everyone that they're in section 31. Yeah. So I didn't get that. Uh, they were shady. They're, they're shady, but they're not. They were shady, not but public. Yeah, yeah. they were and I kind of want, I want section thirty one to be bad guys that, that was another thing I brought up like i want I wanted them to be villains I guess like Giorgio's you
1: know, a villain, but you know what I was thinking they're very the very first thing we kind of saw them doing in this like a the lot there was a lot of bad things that they did, but the first thing we saw them doing I think was in fact a good thing they were helping stabilize the Klingon Empire with Lorel and Ash and the baby and all that stuff
0: yeah like they, they to me like they didn't come off as like the villains I knew them from from DS9, and Enterprise, and even Star Trek Into Darkness.
1: I think they wanted to make sure that we could be like, okay, we can accept that Ash sees something of value in these guys. Because just about everything else that they would be doing for the rest of the season would be shady. But uh,
0: Alex Kurtzman has said in the Section 31 show, they'll explain why why Section 31 is different in this time period. But uh, I would prefer we just didn't have to go through this. That we just got the Section 31 I wanted here and now in discovery so i'm going to count that as a loss i did not get that moving on to number five Mm -hmm. Uh, again we already covered this one i wanted a more from the support crew and we tie that into your uh synergized bridge bridge crew
1: crew. yep big win for both of us number four
0: i wanted change and growth in main characters Uh, so this is a tricky one for me to figure out because i think we did get that with with Burnham. Burnham. Yep. And I think Spock became a main character halfway through the season, and he definitely had
1: some change and growth. Arguably, although you didn't see him a lot, uh, Saru, he
0: yes. literally,
1: he physically <laughs> changed.
0: Yeah. So his, his body went through the change. Yeah. Um, and his personality did too. Uh, but with Stamets and Stamets, Stamets and Colbert, they had like, an, I mean, Colbert started off the season dead, so I guess he changed. <laughs> uh, but th- they had them go through an arc where, where you know, they, they part ways, but then in the end they kind of hit the reset button. Mm. I don't mind that much because I did want to see them back together.
1: Right, it just felt like they were almost but, in a way wasting time doing it. It was sort of a preordained conclusion, and there was something frankly a little bit weird about everybody from Spock to Cornwell trying to play matchmaker <laughs> with them to me. Anyway, I, I, guess, I guess I don't know. Does anybody was like anybody like super into that plot? I wonder out there. Does anybody felt I mean, moved by it? I get I get why it was
0: written the way it was written. Is they they wanted to have like weight and consequence.
1: Yeah. So they didn't want to hit the
0: reset button too quickly. They had to draw it out for a little bit. But it's
1: like they brought up PTSD over like it doesn't. Uh, yes, his his was for something we've never nobody in real life has experienced. A resurrection on that level, but 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 PTSD is an, uh, certainly an understood uh, phenomenon. And, like, if they had addressed it sort of more seriously, I think I could have been into that. I, I would not want them to it didn't harp on fight. it
0: too much, though. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. And I, and I don't want it to be drawn out too long and have, like, a
0: CW will they, won't they. Right. You know, I either wanted them to, like, break it Fortunately, they kind of did together. do that,
1: I think. Yeah. Yeah. But there's but there's some other arcs that in this stuff we're talking about. What do you think? Did you get that
0: one? Um I I guess. Just because of, of I guess Burnham Spock and Saru pushes that into the, the win column and not out of the loss column.
1: Yeah. But it's a little, it's it's like one of mine was kind of a close thing. Yeah, I mean like
0: Tilly I don't know if she changed any kind of Tilly seems, didn't have an arc. She's the same in episode fourteen as she was in episode one, right. I think. Cornwall had an arc. Uh, yeah, she as Colbert she went, went from to
1: living to dead. Yeah,
0: the opposite of Colbert. <laughs> yes,
1: so. they swapped spots. Do you think Pike had an arc? Not really. I loved him, but he was he was the stalwart. He was the he, rock. He is like in a way. I think that's what was almost important to him. Uh, he he is changed slightly, I
0: guess, by the the knowledge of his his inevitable fate. Yeah. Um.
1: Right, but, but it, it almost behavior... like he galvanizes him to be even more the man he more, is, more more pikeish. Yeah, yeah. But you could call it, you could call that an arc of sorts. But
0: it's um, like like there is a change, but like his behavior doesn't change. It's more of like an internal thing, right? So yeah, I'll I'll say I got that. I guess moving on to the number three thing I wanted out of Star Trek Discovery season two, simply surprises. Oh. Uh, I wanted to be surprised. I wanted to be uh, shaken by by reveals that I did not see coming. And I think I, I did get that. Um, there there were several times where the show didn't do what I was expecting. Like, the, I guess the big one would be the reveal of the Red Angel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, although the first thing that I thought of was, like, I suspect you probably didn't think we were going to see Talosian's.
0: No, Alex Kurtzman said at New York Comic Con that they were going to be yeah. in the
1: in the show. Bastards. Um, <laughs> um, uh, did you think that Pike's uh, final fate would be addressed?
0: No, I, I thought that was really cool, and I loved seeing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also like some surprises at the end. I did not expect that Klingon cleave ship from the battle of the <laughs> Binary Stars to show up again. Yum yum. And that, like we we had talked about how like we had kind of predicted that. The, the Klingon D7s are going to show up and how like mm-hmm. uh, uh, we could see that coming from a light year away. Yeah. But I didn't see that
1: cleave ship so that kind yeah. of
0: made that uh, fun even though we had not...
1: We... They got to do like essentially ramming speed kind <laughs> of thing and they just plowed. They literally did exactly what that ship is named for. Um, and, and I'm guessing and... nobody could have thought oh I, I bet they're going to end up in the future. Yes. I, I totally thought that they would not
0: actually move the ship into the wormhole into the future and have that become the new permanent status quo of the show going into season three. So um, that's that was the, the hugest
1: surprise. Uh, also, I don't think any of us expected it to tie into so many of those short tracks. What, three of they, the they, they said
0: four? They said that it was going to tie into that. Uh, actually, like I think we kind of thought it was going
1: to tie into more of those. Like we thought there was going to be like some Calypso tie-ins or maybe Harry Mudd. I, th- I still think the Calypso thing will happen, but I guess that will happen next season. I was sort of disappointed that Harry Mudd didn't happen because I think it would have been fun in their two-hour thing. But uh, the, the, for the finale, but I know mm. that that was initially conceived as an hour th- hour episode, and that would have been a bit much to ask.
0: <laughs> now there, there's a, probably enough characters in there. Yeah. And then my uh, number two, uh, second most important thing that I hoped to see in the season was familiar
1: Captain old school, just badass Kirk style Captain. Oh shit. yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's like one of the biggest gets probably in yeah. all of these.
0: Right off the bat in the first episode, mm-hmm. all the way to the very end when we see uh Pike in that that final battle and then uh ending with him on his, and his crew on the Enterprise going on their their mission of exploration.
1: So well liked that uh that I can't think of a single person I know who's particularly complained about him. Like almost in fact, almost the opposite. Almost everybody I know has really loved him and there's a petition out there for the show and all this like it was a a alex
0: Kurtzman has acknowledged that he understands that there's there's this big uh demand for for a pike show Mm -hmm. and uh just very recently um anson mount and ethan peck they're actually they're both at the uh calgary ex fan expo i think is the name of the convention right now going on in canada Um, and, and they're, they both, uh, at the time of recording either like today or yesterday have said that like, yes, we want to come back as these characters again. So So they've kind of
1: put in, they've formally said they're interested. At this
0: point I'm calling it, I don't know if we will get a Pike Enterprise show or as I'm going to call it from now on, hashtag Pike show. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get that, but I'm going to call it now. We will see these characters again, somehow, someway. We'll see Anson Mount in that gold uniform again.
1: He looks so hot in it. <laughs> He's pretty good looking guy. Alright, what's your, what's your number
0: one? My number one thing that I wanted to see the most. Traditional Trek story concepts told in a new way.
1: Mm. Um, what do you, do you think you got that? I'm honestly not sure. it's um, This one of those they, where like you wanted to see a uh kind of cla- that that sort of standalone plot type stuff like Darmok uh told in a modern style even, or...
0: It doesn't even have to be
1: like a standalone type story. Like mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't I don't really think we need what like, do you think of as a
0: traditional trek story? I mean, yeah, like a story like Darmok, but even like if they had something like that where it was like drawn out over a few episodes, that right. have been fine. Um there's like a story that has some type of social commentary that speaks to uh, modern day issues. Star Trek was always intended to be mm. a, a show set in the future,
1: but it's about today. And I think when I was talking about how um, how I feel like this sort of series uh, Discovery feels like in a way like a like an expanded movie to me. I feel like the movies don't generally kind of address those too deeply, and I I think I might say that. At least from my perspective, I don't think you got that. I don't think you quite got that. Yeah, the... I think you got an, an engaging drama, but I don't think it was a traditional, ex, you know, re- responding to uh, some sort of societal question uh, story.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm inclined to agree with you. The, the thing Like, that I... this was no deep
1: exploration of AI or something like right. that.
0: Right. The, the things that I like most about Star Trek Discovery Season 2 was the drama side of the stuff. I loved the. The the exhibitions of the characters,
1: yeah. In that if, sense, it felt ex- is more influenced by something like Game of Thrones. Um, as
0: far as the on, the on the other side of the coin, you have you know character on one side, narrative on the other. <clears throat> um, the uh, stories like like we talk about New Eden a lot it felt like a very traditional Star Trek story, mm-hmm. um, it, very well executed, but like not that deep of a of a of a narrative. Mm-hmm. Like I and I'm, that's something that we like. We discussed like the meaning of that that episode at the end. It <laughs> right. feels it feels like they kind of like undercut the the value of like logic and truth and science when he he lights up the lights in the church. You thought yeah. that was that was kind of weird, to,
1: Yeah, yeah. It to, seemed like kind of an odd thing. It's an odd, something of an odd message for for Trek.
0: <laughs> and and uh, you know, like I love like going to Talos Four, um, but that. The, the stuff I liked in that episode was more of just, like, getting to see the characters past and seeing more of the relationship between Burnham and Spock.
1: I did like it, how they updated the Talosians. Their their clear kind of weird—I don't want to say—I don't know if I want to say selfishness, but they're kind of inward-looking uh, nature— where they were almost... They had that voyeuristic quality. Yeah. That was an update of the way that they were portrayed originally. It, it was originally. cool stuff, but I didn't get like a story about that. Right, right. It was not... It was almost tangential. So, it was just like, yep, that is who they are. We're, so
0: I would say like, I love the the character and drama side of Star Trek Discovery Season 2. But as far as like the, like the narrative side, you know, getting like a traditional Star Trek story uh, that has a deeper meaning to it. Um, I feel like I, I did not get that.
1: Yeah. I kind of think so too. So, so where are you at? So, I think that brings me
0: to I got seven out of ten things on my wish list. So, same here, yeah. But we did have two overlappers, so that's a total of like eighteen things we wanted. Yeah, and there there were six things we didn't get. So we got twelve out of sixteen on our combined. Yeah, that's pretty they're good. 12, 12 out of 18. Either we're yeah.
1: good predictors or they're putting out a show that, that is pretty close to matching what we want.
0: <laughs> anything that we have not addressed?
1: So so I did make a bunch of notes as I was kind of like skimming through episode uh, listings and stuff like that and reading summaries and stuff. And so I'm just going to quick mention uh, anything else. I'm going to go down here and I'm just going to speed through anything that I that we haven't gotten around to. Um, let's see. Okay, here's some small thing that I like on, speaking English. I think it helped the acting of the people portraying them. Uh, we've talked about this briefly before. Yeah. Um, uh, I like the connection between Ash and Laurel. that that d- deepened a bit, and in some ways, I, I almost got a, a couple, uh, a, a, a set couple with them. Mm-hmm. But one I don't of, think they spend enough time with them to really. One see One of my
0: favorite moments of the season is is when Tyler is watching the Discovery go into the wormhole, and he's, mm-hmm. he's sad that Burnham's leaving, and Laurel's eyes. Oh it's looking yeah. at Tyler, sad that his mind is on, on Michael
1: that was So that was sad that they're the tail end, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because they had been reconnecting uh, is the other thing that's kind of difficult. He, it went from him being, saying that when she touched him that it felt like a violation in like what, the first episode or something the like that? The third episode. It was the third? Okay. To all, to the point where they were both being, they were at least unified over their kid. Um, and so so I liked seeing their their kind of character growth. I'll be a little bit well. I, I guess we'll see more of that in section thirty-one, presumably, um, unless he never sees her again. I don't think that'll happen. But anyway, I liked what we did see of him. Uh, I liked that when they did that recap that used TOS footage uh, from from uh, the cage. Yes. Um, so that was that was the the list of the final list of my good things. Let me see if I have any more nitpicks that didn't get mentioned. I thought that Pike sometimes felt like he was bounced around from one big plan to a to the next. Without really stopping to think them through. And that would include stuff like Cornwell saying, let's go attack Section 31's base, uh, the capture of the Red Angel, or Burnham's plan to blow up the Discovery. Like, he was like, he would hear the he'd make the case and he'd be like, all right, let's do it. It made him seem very can do and moving forward, kind of. But sometimes I was like, maybe you should think about this, Pike. <laughs> just ask at least one or two other people, just in case. It's true you got time for that. There's only 14 episodes. Uh, uh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, let's see... Uh, Oh, this is... This hasn't come up at all in this one. I was, I think, in the minority. I never quite fully warmed up to Jet Reno. And I I, I do Hmm. think that is not... I think most people liked her.
0: I liked her. Um, The only time that she really bugged me was when... I didn't like her saying uh, to Saru, get off my ass, sir, because I thought that was... So unlikely yeah. that someone would say that to their superior officer. It's, but...
1: but it seems like her, like she, a she's like spent had spent some time alone. As weird, I'm, I'm going to defend her now. She'd spent all that time a bit alone. She was already cr- crusty, like McCoy was, and they were in a high tension situation. So I, I don't know. I actually I liked that scene. Uh, it did, it didn't really bug me.
0: Well, uh, before we sign off, do you have any uh, thoughts about season three?
1: Being that we don't we don't really know much except that it's nine hundred and thirty years in the future. Um, you know, I, I had some reticence about it uh, before, and I, and I still have it in the sense that a thousand years feels like it might feel not like Trek to me. Um, the the episode Calypso did indicate things are not like wildly different. Uh, you know, not so different that I like people aren't recognizably people they're not so far f- futuristic that they don't speak like normal yeah people but they, they don't
0: they don't know what tuesday is is that right yeah like like when the zora the computer tells them that oh today is taco tuesday and he says what's a tuesday i mean and he does talk weird is he, he from he, the
1: federation
0: he... there's the
1: federation is not mentioned it's yeah. like it, he's from alcor 4 and he's in a battle with I the Andreish i guess arguably i don't even know if he like if, if he was speaking English or standard, what they would call if, standard. If
0: that's even the future that Discovery is going to go to, they could say that that was going to be that was that was like another timeline when control was taking over. I mean, yeah, or admittedly
1: the, the I mean the Disco had this fear, though. It seems it's, it's got to evolve into that ship. It just it's so weird that the ship is abandoned, yeah,
0: and hanging out in a nebula. Like, why are they going to abandon it now?
1: Oh, I mean, you could contrive anything you, you can, want to make but that work. It, it doesn't. It just. I, I'm thinking whatever
0: they were thinking with Calypso, whatever that plan was they they didn't they didn't follow
1: through with that plan. But it, it changed somewhere. I, they they can they can work Calypso back in there if they want to. I think you're but, probably right about that. I bet they did change up what they were doing. it, it feels like that. So I'm I cannot even venture a guess as to quite what a guess guess what a thousand year in the future trek will look like. Every single major player on the board, from the Cardassians to the Klingons to the Romulans, is gonna be in a wildly different place, uh with different motivations and things like that going on, if they even still exist. Uh I don't want them to screw up the future. It's is weird, but like I, I'm a little nervous. Like you know I'm like too but but like I, i'm worried like if you don't do it right like if they're their suggestion for where the Cardassians and the romulans and the klingons are if i don't like those things then that would be a bummer they have a huge palette to work with and they they could screw up a lot of things i think a thousand years in the future might be too far
0: to to move a show into because we've seen star trek characters from the far future before we've Seen characters from the thirty-first century who are incredibly advanced.
1: So beings of pure be,
0: energy. So to well, not quite, but it's okay. like the technology. We're like Crewman Danielson's like ty- project himself through space and time and appear anywhere. Yeah. So if you're going even further in
1: the future than that, like how do you deal with, with that stuff? I mean, arguably do the you... discovery will be the equivalent of like somebody like a caveman walking into like the present day um
0: unless they do kind of like a post-apocalyptic thing where like the federation has fallen which i'm scared they'll do because to me that does seem more practical at the same time i hate saying that like the federation is doomed to collapse like that
1: yeah i bet they won't do that you know what i think would be interesting is if what if this galaxy what if roughly the galaxy which was always the main place uh for star trek has essentially been tamed and now we've got explorations of other galaxies then it's like wildly out of the territory there's no Delta quadrant there's no alpha and beta quadrant it's completely uncharted territories uh, I so think... this
0: primitive 23rd century ship is gonna go like it's gonna get like refitted with Gallic Inter, intergalactic maybe transgalactic or maybe technology. they just uh
1: wind up in oh, one of those no. other galaxies or something like that and uh just have to work with what they've got
0: that all seems weird to me i i get that <laughs> they didn't want to stay in this time period that you know brian fuller when he was developing the show he was a big tos fan he wanted to do a tos prequel set a decade before that show so that's what he did and then after he was fired, the the wheels are already turning on that and they, they, they couldn't change lanes. They had they had to go forward with that. Um, the, the writers I think do and they've even admitted to this in interviews and stuff lately mm-hmm. that they, they felt like their hands have been tied with the continuity. Um, I wish that they would just get like some TOS people, like people who like understand that time period to work on the show instead of just abandoning it altogether. Yeah. And doing but, all this, this weird thousand years later in the future.
1: But Pike's show, if it comes to pass, will hopefully end up in the hands of people like that. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I really do almost wish that they had just ended up in Picard's time and they became a sister show to the Picard show somehow. But you, um, you want to... I don't know. I kind of want that I mean, show it, to have full range to do whatever it needs to do. Sure, and it should because I don't think that he's going to be... like. Well, I, we don't know, but... I. I I don't know if i want him out exploring in a ship i, I you know i don't know what it's going to be if it's well gonna be... it's
0: it's based on the character description information we got like it's, he's not going to be like on a starfleet ship right he's he's going to be on uh a, a bit of a more like ragtag group that doing more
1: doing what like archaeological type stuff oh really it's not that you, you don't think they're they're, they're we, we know they're not going to be doing sort of more ambassadorial type stuff no huh. I mean that could be okay too. I'm 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 down with that. Um, but that sounds very different from disco. Um, and and well, I disco could... is
0: going to be very different from disco now.
1: Yes, but like, do you, do you think like he, he could be doing his ragtag uh, archaeology uh, outlaws uh, while disco is off finding new civilizations? I mean, they could. I just
0: I just would have preferred the, the shows stay separate from each other.
1: Yeah. Are you afraid that that what will happen if like Picard stands next to Saru? Are you going to feel too much of a cognitive dissonance or something? No, I just, I just because want... that's out of continuity, and I... we always all knew
0: it. I just want both shows but... to have have like their own freedom to kind of you want you want an identity,
1: yeah, yeah, distinct identities. I get that, I get that. Um, I, I think, I, I think, I just disagree, and I think I would have liked to have seen them in Picard's time because it's a more manageable time. To be fair, but I, it was still I didn't be... want
0: them to go to a different time period at all. I wanted them to
1: stay in the 23rd century.
0: Is yeah. what I wanted.
1: Yeah. But, uh, but I know a lot of people are really excited to see like this far flung future. I would definitely like to hear from 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 listeners and viewers uh, on that. What are their What are their hopes and fears and dreams?
0: Yeah. Uh, and you know, I hope I hope that they pull it off. I think it's going to be very difficult to create uh, the a uh, 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 far flung thousand year later future in Star Trek that still that, has that familiarity that, yeah, that you kind of want from yeah, Star that, Trek. That doesn't betray Star Trek. I think that's going to be a,
1: a tall order. I hope they can pull it off. Yeah. For sure. Um, do any other thoughts on Season 2? No.
0: I think that's... Uh, I think I've, I've said all I have to say on it. Um, again, overall, really enjoyed it. Um, it had some imperfections. And I guess like the main thing that I want in dis- from Star Trek Discovery going forward... Uh, there, there's been moments that I loved in Star Trek Discovery. There's stuff I, I loved in Season 1. There's a lot of stuff in Season 2 that I loved. Um that, that really balance out with the, the frustrations I get. The thing that I want from Discovery that I haven't gotten yet is I want to have an episode where I'm just blown away and think, oh my god, that is a great episode of Star Trek. Mm. I, I need it to have a moment like The Next Generation had in Season 2 with Measure of a Man or that DS9 had in, in Season 4 right. with uh,
1: the, the Traveler. Um, you want a real high point that's just like man this is going to be the, one of those things against which other episodes are measured
0: yeah and uh you know they, they they haven't they haven't gotten there yet um i hope that they i hope that they can uh, hopefully in season three but uh yeah i really enjoyed star trek discovery season two in fact i would say uh i like Star Trek discovery season two better than tng season two as as a whole taken as a whole mm-hmm. better than voyager season two uh better than enterprise season two which is actually my least favorite year of star trek ever <laughs> uh, so yeah i mean i dig it uh i i'm liking it and uh I'm, I'm excited to see where they go from here um i hope that that season three's weird uh, future is uh as something that that I I can enjoy as much as I enjoyed this season. It'll be
1: interesting when we get to the first teasers and trailers for it yeah. to, to just get some sense.
0: Yeah, and we'll be we'll be covering all of that as the the news unfolds. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, we will have this uh, Picard show to talk about, mm-hmm. and uh, to kind of transition us a bit away from Star Trek Discovery and towards the Star Trek hashtag Picard show talk. Um, we will be back next week to talk about probably the, the closest thing we have to the Picard show now. At least that, that time period. Mm-hmm. That's going to be All Good Things. The Star Trek The Next Generation series finale. Yeah. that uh, I don't think Dave has watched that in 25 years. It actually came out uh, in uh, May of... 25 years ago in 1994.
1: I'm really looking forward to this one, to visiting a TNG episode that's of such renown um, and and just revisiting those characters.
0: It gives us a a look at a Picard uh, a a couple decades out from the next generation. So very similar to uh, what we're going to see in Hashtag Picard Show. Also, uh, there is a really big uh, movie in theaters right now. Uh, the uh, Marvel Studios, uh, I guess, what, what would you call like Avengers Endgame? It's like their the the,
1: the the finale to the franchise finale, or at least of their their first of, initiative.
0: Yeah, of their first eleven years.
1: Yeah, and it's like as and, big an initiative as we've ever as I've ever seen as part of a movie plan. It, it, the movie borrows a few things from Star Trek. Yes,
0: and specifically, all good things. And and yeah. uh, the Marvel Studios had honcho Kevin Feige has admitted that he is, in his own words, I think he said a big ass Star Trek nerd, <laughs> and um, he he mentioned before that as um, you know all good things was a really great finale for the Next Generation. He wanted to do something like that with with this Avengers movie, and uh, I, th- I think there's even a, a few little. Um, uh, not not really in the story, but just uh, some there 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 are some ideas that kind of like transfer from all good things to uh, Avengers Endgame. So I don't think it's ever been more topical to talk about that episode than right now, as it is uh, ha- has an influence on on the biggest movie in the world right now. It's coming up on the twenty fifth anniversary and is uh, similar to the upcoming Star Trek Picard show. Yeah, but we we are in the the the. I guess like the summer movie season now, mm-hmm. uh, and after we talk about all good things, me and Dave are going to be talking about Star Trek movies all summer long. We're going to start with the motion picture and work our
1: way to Star Trek Beyond. Uh, yep, somewhere in there we'll crash into Star Trek Five, and we're just going to see what happens.
0: <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have several guests join us. We're gonna have some recurring guests that haven't been on Text Trek in a very long time. So uh... yeah, it should be cool. <laughs> Anyone, anyone is checking us out. Um, way back when we first got started in 2016, we'll have we'll have some some old uh, familiar faces return. So you definitely want to want to keep checking us out. Uh, we're gonna try to keep the weekly format up every Sunday, and we got a bunch of Star Trek to talk about with the, the all the shows in development. Star Trek Las Vegas coming up. There's gonna be news from uh, San Diego Comic Con,
1: New York Comic Con. So we'll be in the middle of sometimes or before we discuss these movies, the, the 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 classic movies, we'll jump in with any big new yeah. news, Of course, so we'll have it all covered.
0: Yep. And uh, next up will be all good things available on uh, Sunday. So farewell until then, and as always, <laughs> live, live long and, and prosper, and y'all. Thank all of you so much for checking out this installment of Text Trek. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please be sure to like our YouTube videos and subscribe to our channel. Uh, audio-only version of episodes are available at our website, www.tex-trek.com. Uh, please check out our site, especially if you just want an audio-only podcast. Uh, we have that available for you. Y'all can also keep up with us online. You can follow us on Twitter, at TXTREK. Or you can uh, check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com text-trek. Uh, please, by all means, let us know what you think by dropping a comment anywhere you see fit. Uh, we definitely want to hear your feedback. Let us know what you liked and what you would like to see more of, what you would like to see differently going forward. If you want to email me directly Uh, Go ahead. I can be reached at fatheryactual at text-trek.com.
1: Thank all y'all again. Take care.